It is Pentecost Sunday. And, uh, you know, in the past, probably for the last few years, because I've preached on Pentecost Sunday at other churches as well, I've tended to be a bit theological. Well, believe it or not, I don't want to be theological today. I want to talk about the amazing, transforming power of baptism in the Holy Spirit for one man. This man is called Peter. Amazing. We're going to walk through some of the evidence of the change that this man experienced that it actually enabled him to grow the early church, not by tens or even by hundreds, but by thousands. We'll have a look at this. This man was transformed from a cowardly man into a man of great courage because he was baptised in the Holy Spirit. He was one of the 120. The first people on the planet, the first people in the whole of human history to be recipients of baptism in the Holy Spirit. This was when the Christian church was inaugurated. Absolutely amazing. This was the man who denied Christ three times and in fact he used fishermen's language in his denial. Pretty rough language, probably full of swear words, which is not generally translated in the versions of the Bible that we read out on Sundays in church. But he became a man who was so courageous that he could stand up before the authorities and he could say, you put Jesus to death. And they were so overpowered by his empowering that they actually let him go. Tradition teaches, of course, that later he was martyred. Uh, tradition says he was actually hung on a cross upside down by his choosing because he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as Christ Jesus. When they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago. Through the mouth of David, concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, a keldama, that is field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, 
Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Versabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. <laughs> then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, 
and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. That's a bit embarrassing. It only goes to Acts 2, verse 39. So I don't know what we did to lose our sound, but never mind. They say you should never, ever, ever act with children, animals, or technology. Hey? It'll always let you down. Well, not always. But um, praise the Lord. I just want to um, just go on very briefly from... Uh, Peter's speech there. So, what happened right after that, after his speech? Now, just bear in mind, here he is, not long after 
the uh, resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. He and those others have been uh, true to Jesus. He'd, remember, he'd said, wait, wait until the Spirit comes. There were 500 initially, 120 managed to wait. Remember, they were ridiculed as they spoke in tongues and some thought that these people were drunk. So Peter had to have a level of boldness, a level of courage to stand up before these people who were sceptical and say, no, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied. And then he un unpacks the prophecy of the Old Testament. And it was after this sermon of Peter's, the Bible records that 3,000 were added to their number that day. That was the birth of the Christian church because this man had been so transformed by the Holy Spirit Remember, he had denied Jesus three times in Luke 22, 54 to 62. This is what we read. Having arrested him, that's arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied. He denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour had passed. Another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, You will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept. Bitterly. I was looking at the um, Jesus Project website last night actually, just as I was preparing for today. And uh, the writers on this website had uh, done a little personality test on Peter. Some of you will have heard of the Briggs-Meyer, or Myers-Briggs, whichever way, the right way to say it is. Yeah, some of you would have. I'm an ISTJ, just in case you want to know. Um, I was told when I did my little test I should never have got a PhD, so I'm a miracle standing before you because <laughs> uh, I got one. I can show it to you one day if you like. Not many of you would be able to carry it because it's pretty heavy. <laughs> Not many people have read it either, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, they reckon that Peter is an ENFP. E for extroverted. Gets energised by spending time around people. N for intuitive, focuses on ideas and concepts as opposed to facts and processes. His F for feeling, 
prioritises others and emotions over logic, and P for perceiving prefers freedom and flexibility over structure and predictability. So if you want to read a bit more about that, just Google the Jesus Project and Peter, and you should be able to find it. There's quite a bit more, but for um, time, I won't read it through at all. And they're careful to say, we can't be 100% certain that this is so, because Peter's never actually done the little questionnaire. But there's elements in his life that showed that he was quite impetuous, he was spontaneous, he sometimes did things without, without thinking, and then, of course, he lacked courage. When the time came to stand up and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, he said, never heard of him. Don't accuse me of things like that. And he tried to simply disappear into the crowd. But do you remember Jesus actually said something very prophetic about him? Remember when Jesus changed his name? And said, you're now Petra, rock. And yet Peter continued to behave as if he wasn't a rock. It was when he was baptised in the Holy Spirit. That was when he became a rock. Because he wasn't elected into a leadership position, but he immediately took on the role of leader. And he comes out, and he explains to the thousands in the crowd, there were just 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 people in the video because you've got to pay actors and they couldn't afford to pay thousands and thousands to do that little video. There would have been thousands there. Maybe 10,000 people had come to see what the hullabaloo was all about. And he had the courage to stand up and say, No, these people are not drunk. Don't you know the prophecy of Joel? And then he explained it all and 3,000 joined. 3,000 joined the church that day. There are other aspects of Peter's character that are borne out in the gospel accounts, which I won't go through today. But he didn't appear to be the rock. He became the rock after the Gospels, when he was baptised in the Holy Spirit. Not long after that first sermon, Peter and John were, were going up to, uh, to the temple. And even that was an act of courage, because by now the word was getting around and neither the Romans nor the religious leaders of the day wanted to see any sign that people believed in the resurrection of Jesus because they didn't believe he was the Messiah and the Romans were very frightened about some kind of uprising because there were uprisings happening all the time. So it didn't suit the establishment to have people believe in the resurrection of Jesus, much less to actually become followers of Jesus Christ. So John and Peter were showing great courage by appearing in public and going up to the temple to pray. And remember on the way there was a lame man who cried out for help. And Peter said to him, I don't have money, but what I have, 
I give you. What did he have? He had baptism in the Holy Spirit. That man was healed. And that actually led to the second sermon of Peter, which is recorded in the Bible in Acts 3, verses 12 to 25. And at the end of that sermon, what happens? They get arrested. They get arrested. My goodness me. How would you like to be arrested under circumstances like that when you know that you are seen to be the enemy of the establishment for whom it is an inconvenient truth that Jesus Christ raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to read to you from Acts 4 verses 8 through to 31, New King James Version. And uh, Peter responds to the accusations made against him and John. I love this. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now you know what, we can just read that as if we're reading a novel, or as if we're reading some lifeless historical document. But this man Peter... Knowing he could be put to death, he stands up before the religious leaders and he says, you're the ones who put Jesus to death. But I'm telling you, despite the fact that it's an inconvenient truth to you, he is alive. It's not mere words on a piece of paper. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, found the courage, the conviction to speak the truth. It goes on to say in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marvelled and they realised that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. I tell you what, you know, when, when there are miracles in the church, when people are being healed, when people are being set free, the sceptics are going to have to marvel. When, when there's evidence, physical evidence of healing, when people are being healed from cancer, when people's bones are being renewed or replaced, when people are having new teeth in their mouths, when people's faces are being reconstructed, when people are being raised from the dead, the sceptics will have to marvel. And that's why God sent the Holy Spirit to fill us with power and boldness and courage just like Peter. And seeing the men who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed... 
that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they're going to muzzle them now. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. That's amazing. <laughs> the sceptics were silenced. The authorities were silenced because there was undeniable evidence of the truth of the gospel. That is amazing. Don't read it as words on a piece of paper. Read it as the activated truth of God expressed on the earth. It goes on in verse 23, uh, verse 23 to say this. And being let go, that is the, the authorities let them go because it was too dangerous by then for the authorities to hold them. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage, and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and, to, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful prayer? A prayer for boldness and a prayer for power to heal. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the Bible records meantime that thousands daily were being added to their number. Now I just want to share with you one more scripture. I'd like to, to continue to speak, but uh, you know, we've got to discipline ourselves not to be here all day. I know that's important for us, and I've got to go and get a new iPhone because mine's dying and I can't live without a dead iPhone. I mean, I can't live with a dead iPhone. <laughs> they're, like, they're like an arm, you know. It's pretty difficult to do without them. But I, I want to share with you one more scripture. And this is about this amazing, transforming power of the Holy Spirit in a man who used to be a coward. This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And you might wonder, what's that got to do with Peter? Well, I will explain it to you in a moment. Acts 5 verses 1 to 11. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession 
and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, this wasn't about him keeping anything for himself. This was actually about him lying. There would have been no problem if he had been open about it. Uh, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own, uh, in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. In other words, he died. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. That was quick, eh? Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. She died. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Why am I telling you this story? Well, I believe it was because the Holy Spirit was so powerful in Peter by then, it was powerful enough to kill people. One, he had the discernment that Ananias and Sapphira had lied. You know what? Lying is a sin. Got that? There would have been no problem if they had kept the whole lot for themselves. There would have been no problem if they had made a decision to give some of it to the disciples and keep the rest. There was a problem with them lying. Peter knew they lied. How come? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He'd been baptised in the Holy Spirit. Why did they die? Some people say, well, because they became so embarrassed or that, that, whatever, they kind of had heart attacks and killed it. No! You know what it says in the Old Testament about God? If you see his face, you will die. Holy Spirit was so strong in Peter at this time. It was no different to seeing God in the face. And their sin caused them to die. How would you like it? If I was so filled with the Holy Spirit that if you came into this place with any sin in your heart, you'd go, pow! And we'd have three people outside the door ready to dig a hole and bury you. Because we knew that within three hours, someone else would come through that door. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm not that filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's okay. What? Yeah. That was a New Zealand preacher, I forgot his name, who in his prayer is, well, I'm sorry I can't, remember his yeah. name, but he was widely known. But when he was praying in a group of small people, the, the men that were with him had to leave the room because they thought they would die. They thought they oh wow. Well look, I'm, I'm not trying to do that to you. <laughs> the presence, the presence, <laughs> but, this is, the presence was so strong. This is documented by yep. the people who were there. The wow. presence of God was so strong, yep. they yep. felt that if they stayed there, they would die. That's alright, Lancey, they can come in because we're, we're, yeah, we're just about finished. Um, I you know what, I actually think that should be our experience. You know what? Sin in the presence of God 
should be such an anathema that we should feel if we hang on to it, we're going to die. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So you see, it was not just the amazing transformation of Peter, but it was the effect of the life of God through the Holy Spirit in him. So powerful that when those people sinned, they died. And you might think, well, it wasn't a bad sin, was it? <laughs> they didn't kill people. <coughs> they didn't fall into sexual sin. All that stuff we think is really, really bad. They weren't in favour of abortion. They told a lie and they died. Now, I'm not arguing that we should be so filled with the Holy Spirit that every time we walk around the place, people die. But I think the point is this. Have we really opened ourselves up? Have we received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the Bible assures us all we have to do is ask? And we will receive. Theologically, it's a kind of second baptism, although there's one, uh, at least one instance in the Bible where people were filled with the Holy Spirit before they were baptised in water. Peter said, let's find a bit of water to baptise them in. Because <laughs> they'd already been filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, God doesn't have to follow any particular pattern. But I just want to invite you, and Jeanette's here to pray as well, that uh, if you haven't experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit, today could just be your day. I know for me, I was actually running along a beach near a place called Clacton-on-Sea, about, uh, about 150 kilometres north of London, or northeast, I think, of London. I was just running along a beach, and on the pebbles, yeah, no sand there on the pebbles, and I suddenly burst out in tongues. That's... Like I was, I was wanting this baptism of the Holy I wasn't in church. Nobody was praying for me. But I'll tell you what, I was open and receptive that day. And the Holy Spirit came. Oh, Jeanette was speaking in tongues before she was baptised. I remember we were baptised in a place called Dunblane up there in Scotland. It was the middle of winter. I was a bit frightened they were going to dunk us in the river. And I thought it was going to be pretty cold. I hadn't been a Christian for very long. I didn't know they had heated baptismal tanks in all the flash churches in the town. Anyway, we hired one of those places and the water was warm. But, you know, I came up out of that water and nothing particularly happened to me. She came up and she was babbling away in tongues. And then she told me a few years later, oh, well, I was speaking in tongues long before I was baptized. <laughs> so, you know what? There's no formula. The key, though, is openness. Amen. The key is openness. And I have to say this, Andrew. Ever since I started preparing this I thought of you as Peter. I'm not saying you're a coward. Please don't get me wrong, right? But the, the amazing transformation when the Holy Spirit gets... Yeah. If you, you learn something about his past and, and see how he is today, the leadership gift on him, you will see a transformed man. But there's more to come. There's more to come. You'll be like Peter. You'll have that boldness to stand in front of men. And to speak the truth. And you know, every single one of us can have that same boldness and that courage and that discernment. And people better look out. People better look out. Because they will see the results of the Holy Spirit working in us to bring wholeness and healing to people in the world. They will not be able to deny the power of Christ in us. 
whether or not they accept Christ at the end of the day, they will not be able to deny the evidence before them. So with that, I want to invite you to join us for our, uh, our community time. I don't know whether my computer wants to go there. But um, I, I'd, I'd love to pray with you. If you haven't had that wonderful, life-changing experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'll let you let me pray for you. But just remember this, it can happen to you when you're having a shower. It can happen to you when you're running along a beach. It can happen to you when you're driving in your car somewhere. All you need is to be open, to be receptive and say, I'm ready to receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to be transformed like Peter.